The fiber is the densener. Welcome to another episode of Let's Rewatch, where we watch movies from our youth and find out if they're still any good. I'm Brett. I'm Sam. I'm Ash. And my name is Patrick. (laughs) (laughs) It's been so long, guys. I forgot my line. Still workshopping it, right? (laughs) Is that the first time you've said your full name? Yeah, I've always done that. And I'm Pat with the fist bump. I was was going to say, this is the first time you haven't done your fist bump. You know, it's really funny when you explain the joke. Yeah, that's, everyone knows 101, if you want a joke to be great, make sure you explain it. Yeah. It's true. Mm-hmm. Well. But today we're also joined by a guest, right, Patrick? We are joined by a guest. We are joined by a podcaster who is does a number of different projects. He's got quite a few. But uh, listener, you might uh, remember him as the DM and host of a show that we all guested on recently, Scruffy Nerf Herders. And yeah. I'd like to welcome Case Aiken. Hey guys, thank you for having me. Woo, thanks welcome. for coming. Yeah, we just had I, too much fun on your podcast, so we guys, had to that was steal such you. a fun episode. <laughs> spin off, spin off. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was, the, that was what a was good it? time. Grab and snatch. We can the call snatch it the snatch and grab. Grab, grab and snatch, snatch sounds so gross. It's I don't know so why gross. the just flipping the order sound makes it sound so gross. <laughs> it is really. I mean, it's not great the other way, but it really. Adds that mm-hmm. extra kick. Well, because it sounds like if you say it fast, it, it sounds like you're not saying grab and snatch. It sounds yeah. like you're saying grabbing. Grabbing snatch? This was the name of yeah. our ship. That's yeah. Trump's version of this. Who don't <laughs> yeah. know. Yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah, we could have the snatch and grab chronicles. There you go. Uh, I'd be down for that. Wait. <laughs> yeah. And the first mission could be the search for like a new module for our for my Wookiee's voice box, so you can get a different accent. <laughs> oh no, you're committed now. Sorry. <laughs> no, I actually kind of like the idea of him like switching out voice boxes. Like, yeah, what accent does he have? <laughs> well, like like a fucking master of disguise, just like no, oh. I'm I'm not Ariati. They're just really bad, <laughs> right? But it's always a Wookiee still, and like a <laughs> oh no, that, it's like a Wookiee that... in a trench coat. It's like a reverse <laughs> version of like two kids stacked on top of each other. <laughs> That assumes a level of voice acting talent that I cannot. Yeah, rise to. I was gonna say it could either be really great listening to Patrick fail at various different accents, or we could bridge into a whole other racist territory that maybe. <laughs> no, I, I'm very. Patrick's yeah. too woke for that shit. I kind of like the thought of Patrick switching out his voice box. Yeah, and then it's just it's exactly the same, and he's just like, yeah. no, now it's like from West London. It's <laughs> <laughs> Welsh. It's like- yeah. <laughs> I love it. Yep. Anyway, what are we watching today, Patrick? We are watching Hellboy, the 2004 <gasps> original big screen adventure. Which uh, you guys picked, the listeners, you guys picked that on our Twitter poll, which was kind of funny because I feel like we have to like sidebar and give you the backstory here. But so Brett wanted to watch Hellboy and then Patrick was like, let's have Case on. And we're like, great, fantastic, Case, you choose some superhero movies you like, we'll do a poll and then I'm sorry, Case, we just went with the movie we wanted anyway. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's totally fine. It, it, like, it's one where, like, Hellboy is a movie that, like, like I really like the comics, but I, it, it was never, like, my favorite book. And when the movie came out, I was really excited because it, this was before superhero movies were everywhere. So I was like, oh, like, guys, do you do you want to all come see, go see Hellboy? And all my friends were like, what the fuck is Hellboy? Uh, sorry, <laughs> 
Yes. Yes. Oh, okay. yeah. You absolutely oh. can uh, say fuck. Uh, good, Please good, good. swear all you fucking want. Uh, but so I like dragged a bunch of friends and it was all like, yeah, that was, that was fun. And like, I, like I maintained that the movie's like, yeah, that was, that was fun. And that's about all I can really say. Like, I will say it is the <laughs> best Fantastic Four movie we've ever seen. <laughs> uh, but that's because like the property's like a supernatural version of Fantastic Four. Uh, mm. But, like, I remember this movie being, like, it's a good adaptation of, like, the first story arc from the comics um, where you have just, like, frog people that are attacking from, like, the twisting nether where, like, the old gods live. You know, like, Hellboy is, like, Cthulhu version of Fantastic Four and Hellboy is the thing. So, like, that's fun. Like, he's a curmudgeon like, cigar-chomping guy and, like, I'm excited to rewatch it because I probably haven't looked at it in, like, five years. I also feel like there's, th- like, a baseline of fun that you get from combining, like, Demons and monsters and Nazis, like <laughs> yeah, just can't, oh yeah, the it can't be worse so than a certain level, you know. <laughs> I I looked up the like trailer. I did see this movie when it came out. I'm jumping ahead to that. I I won't get into that. But the fish pe- or frog people, I thought looked a awful lot like the Shape of Water fish man, and I was Gee, like, oh, well, I wonder why. Well, Ash, I got yeah. There's a reason. <laughs> uh huh. The <laughs> Go on. <laughs> yes, because it's the same. It's the same writer, director, and actor. Oh. Well, and, you're, and you're talking about Abe Sapien, right? Not the not not the they, bad guy fish people. Yeah, the main, so the I mean, guy, that's all Abe. just creature from the Black Lagoon. It's all just based mm-hmm. on the same design. Yeah, yeah. But so also, I mean, we can jump in. Yeah. So this movie was written and directed by Guillermo del Toro. At least the, the screenplay was written by him. It's an adaptation of a very popular comic series by. Is it? Mike, Mike Mignola. Mignola? Is that Mignola. Mignola. There's uh, Mignola. Yeah. Mignola. We, we always so. call him Mignola in art school, but what do we know? <laughs> I, I don't <laughs> yeah. know. I've just heard other people pronounce it, but I've also heard everyone pronounce it differently. So, mm. I don't know. So, if, if you are at all a fan of nerd things, you know who Guillermo del Toro or GDT was a school. Who? Nerds who was that? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Most notably, he recently won an Oscar for Best picture for his movie, Fish Fucker. Yep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you mean Shape of Water. <laughs> yes. That no, was, Shape of Bestiality, it, it was, actually, is It was uh, Fish Fucker with parentheses, like songs <laughs> do, have like two titles. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And the Academy just kind of pretended that didn't exist. Well, just- I'm just saying, you know, maybe it's all part of the same universe. Like, maybe this guy, you know, is the yeah. same character from the Hellboy one. This is so where that- he retired to. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, well, I mean that that's a period piece. So this would actually be his when they like first find him, and then by the time it could totally Hellboy, be it, an Abe Sapien origin story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, it's that. a prequel. Ooh. Shape of Water is a prequel to Hellboy Ooh. One. Okay, suddenly nice. I'm in. I'm into it. I'm, I'm yeah. down. <laughs> <laughs> See? Um, so it, it is an adaptation. The person who plays, we already talking about him, Abe Sapien. Uh, is is uh played? Is that by his real ge- name? No, he's played by a gentleman named Doug. It's Jones. the character's name. Doug oh, Jones. Doug, okay. Yeah. I thought it was Doug, Doug Jones. Jones. I was like, what? Yeah. Listener, yeah. if you're not if you're not familiar with the name, I guarantee you've seen him, but he's probably been in heavy, heavy, heavy makeup. Oh, we've definitely he, talked about Doug Jones before on the podcast, especially when we did Hocus Pocus. Oh, okay, that's right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. yep. Mm-hmm. Wait, who is he in Hocus Pocus? The zombie. He's, he's the, the zombie, zombie guy. guy. Zombie. Okay. okay. Billy. Was it Billy? Yeah. Yeah, Billy. <laughs> that dude scared the shit out of me as a kid. Yeah, so it's so Doug friendly. Jones in the makeup. But I mean, before uh, he like cut his mouth stitches open and started talking shit to the witches, he scared me. Fair. Mm. Fair. 
yeah, so it's Doug Jones in the makeup, but in this one, it's uh, David Hyde Pierce as the voice. But oh. David Hyde Pierce respected Doug Jones' performance so much, he refused a credit. Yep. Really? And then did not come back for the sequel. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, so was it Doug Jones in the sequel? Yeah, doing the voice too. Yeah. Because okay. Doug, uh, Doug Jones is a good actor, but they just wanted, they figured it was, oh, it's a puppet. So they got David Hyde Pierce. You know, they didn't even really think about it. And then David Hyde Pierce saw his performance and was like, oh, that you're so good with this. Like when, and like they still use his voice track, but he didn't want people, they, he wanted the credit for who played Abe Sapien to be Doug Jones. Huh. Mm. Yeah. Is, okay. So you said it's a puppet. Is it like a Henson style puppet or is it just like, like Jurassic Park where he's like in a, in a frogman suit? No, as, as with everything with Doug Jones, he's like just, he's a person standing there in heavy, heavy, heavy prosthetics. Yeah, okay. it, it's, it's, that's it, what it, I thought. It was like one of those like six hour prosthetics sort yeah. of things. Yeah. Yeah. It was, yeah, it was something like five to six hours to put on, three hours to put off. So you're already doing a, oh my God. an average person's day of work just getting in and out of makeup and then everything yeah. in between. That's insanity. Which always makes oh, me nice. think of just like mad respect for like uh, uh, Star Trek and, and uh, Michael Doran. Oh, yeah, Worf. Just, I mean, Michael Doran, yes, day. but like the, like the Doug Jones stuff, like when in a, Oh God! Um, like what's, what's the other big Guillermo del Toro movie? Pandora, Pan's Labyrinth. Pan's Labyrinth. Pan's Labyrinth. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, like he was the eyeball monster in that, and that is the most claustrophobic thing I can imagine. Like not being yeah. able to see and having to do this whole too, performance. He was the eyeball monster and the the big fawn. Yeah, he was yeah. Like, yeah. Mm. Um, but at least he could see you're... in that costume. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's crazy. So, was it just like a morph in, uh, suit with with makeup on it? <laughs> yeah, I think so. <laughs> probably with with more. More cool. That should be your Halloween costume. Just draw, draw oh. some like eyeballs on it. What like, oh, f- like the fat eyeball man? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, I do not want the person that I love most in the world to dress up as well, the wait, thing that's I fear the, the most. That's the monster from uh, Ah Real Monsters at that point. Oh, <laughs> oh yeah. And well, Brett would have to. He'd have to shave his beard and his head for that too. Oh my God, he's never I ever be shaved. I've never seen Brett without facial hair. It ever. scares me. I know. I don't think I have either. I had to shave. What are you hiding under there? That's a real question I want to know. What are you hiding under there? I had to shave my beard once for a job in high school. I just look like fucking Super Mario with the mustache. (laughs) Wait, in high school? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, you've had that beard. Oh, I know people. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I I knew people in high school that would have like a five o'clock shadow by the time before the final bell rung at school. Yeah. It's crazy. You, you oh can't see it because our chat is has me shrouded in shadow. But I've had these like fat mutton chops since like sixth grade. Like it was mm-hmm. ridiculous. Mm-hmm. And actually, Brett the last went... time we recorded, you uh, the both of you were off the actual camera, so it's just oh. the negative space between the two of you. <laughs> see, if Brett ever shaved, we'd find out where Carmen San Diego is. Oh. So <laughs> I'm sorry, it's she in my beard. <laughs> you I'm are sorry, Carmen any uh, any listener under thirty. <laughs> Oh, there's a new Carmen Sandiego. Is there? Yeah, a new yeah. cartoon just came out. So I want to talk a little bit about the movie because it's interesting. Is this the most current movie that's ever been done on the show or the most recent? I don't no. know. It's, it's, a it's, definitely the most, it's definitely the most recent one I've ever done. We did one that like just barely hit the mark. Yeah. But I can't it remember like, what film it was. So, yeah, this was 2004, which is an interesting time for because it was kind of right in the middle of the boom of when we learned that, oh, superhero movies can be pretty good and make a shit ton of money. That was yeah. the same year that the second Tobey Maguire Spider-Man came out. Ooh, Spider-Man. Spider-Man. I said it like that on purpose. <laughs> um, 
<laughs> uh, it's a very obscure reference to another podcast. Uh, so a lot going on. The X X Men movies were in full swing at that time, and oh, yeah. we can run down the cast really quickly here. So of course the 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 titular Hellboy himself. Uh, fun little trivia based on that is um, Mike Mignola and uh, GDT met to discuss the movie and discuss casting early on. And they did the, the most cheesy thing ever, though. They did the thing where you both, we're going to say one, two, three, and at the same time, we're going to say our first choice. <laughs> like that, boy. <laughs> like I'm they're in improv class? Yeah, Holy fuck. and they both said Ron Perlman. Wow. <laughs> well, of course, because when they announced it, I was like, that is the most obvious casting yeah. choice I've ever heard. <laughs> Which, super quick detour, Ron Perlman's IMDb was interesting to me because he's done so much, and I'm sure many people for, think of many different things that he's done when they hear his name. Um, for me, Hellboy is probably the first thing I think of, yeah, uh, and I, I never watched too. the show, but Sons of Anarchy is also pops up in my head, even though I never oh, really watched it. Right. But yeah. on his, uh, what's funny his I've never heard of one of the things on his IMDb, uh, known for you know, those first four things. The fir- there's the two Hellboys, mm-hmm. uh, there's that eighties show he did with Linda the Hamilton, Beauty and, the Beast. Beauty and the Beast. Yeah. Yeah. And, oh God, uh, that was this- him. Yep. Yeah. What? Like before this movie came out and before he was doing Sons of Anarchy, he was like Doug Jones, like a guy mostly known for doing like prosthetic work. And oh. then since like with like Sons of Anarchy and like he's done a lot more stuff where you actually get to see his face. Yeah. He does a ton of voiceover too. He's one of the bad guys in the Disney Tangled Rapunzel movie. Really? Mm-hmm. I don't know any of this. He's one of the Stabbington brothers. <laughs> so. I'm sure you can picture his character's face. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That you probably can too. It's just imagine like cliche burly <laughs> fantasy bad guy. <laughs> yeah, he's such a good bad guy. Mm-hmm. He's got that ridiculously gravelly low voice. But we also have John Hurt, who obviously I think is most famous for having an alien give oh, birth to an alien through his chest yeah, cavity. Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then he, uh, by that- the way, Hollywood. Yeah, go ahead, Sam. Was that the first episode that you were on? Yes. Oh, yeah. Alien. Oh, it, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's come full, cir- full circle. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I can't speak because we now have that champagne. Much. And I so incorrectly judged what like the vibe was going to be because you were all doing a Starbucks run when I got there. I showed up with two cases of beer. <laughs> <You remember? laughs> That's right. Yeah. I do remember that. And it was like, yes. I was like, Patrick oh, okay. ready okay. to go. Okay. This like was froze. like the middle of the day, too. Patrick's like, let's tie one on. And we're yeah, like, it was like oh, Sunday. We're getting I was, yeah. coffee. You know, it's <laughs> like 50 50 on the episodes. Like sometimes we're like very studious. And like today I'm on my third mimosa. Like, yeah. <laughs> I mean, at the time, too, we were recording doubles. So by the time Patrick got there, we were already like five hours in. Yeah, listen, yeah, listeners, when we record two shows in a day, it's eight hours of recording. If it's we're a on long time, it's day. never Holy only fuck. eight hours. It's, yeah. Like yeah, it's like nine hours with the lunch break. You're welcome. Yeah, we do this for you. <laughs> okay, continue, Patrick. It's Sorry. Like a real news um, So, by the way, do you know they made an adaptation of 1984 that he started in that came out in 1984? Ooh. Very, very on the nose, Hollywood. Yeah. And we've got uh, Selma Blair. As oh, Liz yeah. Sherman. Oh. I think most people think of like Cruel Intentions. Mm-hmm. She was in that. I think of uh, Legally then, Blonde. Yep, she's in Legally Blonde. Mm-hmm. And then I also wrote, so I wrote those two down and I wrote. Oh man, I um, watched Legally Blonde. Like every yeah. other rom-com from like 1996 <laughs> to like 2009, like every other. 
rom-com she had a bit part in. And then one of our other really main st- characters in this is uh, the character is John Myers. It's played by an actor named uh, Rupert Evans, and I've never seen him in anything, and I did not recognize anything in his IMDb. Hmm. Yeah, I don't I know that name. British. And then uh, one last thing is uh, Jeffrey Tambor is in this. What? Yeah. Really? He yep. plays. Um, he plays like the boss of the boss, like the government oversight guy, the suit. Oh. You know. But fun fact about him in this role is he wasn't hired until a week before production started. Hmm. And because they had originally hired an actor, and the actor just never showed up. Hmm. Oh wow! And didn't say who the actor was. Oh. Oh man. That feels like a Bruce Willis kind of thing. It does. Oh, yeah. I feel like you'd have to be a really big name to get away with that. Because if you're trying to make it and break in, and this is a big. <laughs> can yeah. you, I can just imagine the workshop like, okay, Bruce isn't coming in. Who's another bald guy we know of? Jeffrey. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Because yeah. everybody, it, we, every, he's he's the one that yelled at Jessica Walters, right? Yeah. He's, mad at him. He's, Wait, yeah. which one? I used to really like him. And Jeffrey Tambor. Turns out he sounds like he might be kind of a shit face. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, well. I mean, yeah, he plays a shit face in a lot of stuff, so maybe he's typecast. Yep. <laughs> Wait, so you said Jeffrey Tam- Tambor or Tamlin? Was it Tam- Tambor. 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 He's the <laughs> oldest dad. No, I know. <laughs> no, we said I, the same but, thing, oh. but we just said it different ways. Yep. Oh. Um, but for like a split second, I was picturing um, John Malkovich. Oh. <laughs> oh. I don't know why. They kind of, I could see, they kind of look similar. Maybe it was John, John Malkovich, Malkovich that didn't show up. In just about anything. Yeah. I don't know. He's more professional than that. I think he'd show up. I could see John Malkovich saying yes and then like getting the script and being like, what the fuck is this? I'm not coming. Like, and I the, say it's, uh, it sounds like Bruce Willis because like apparently that's just how he rolls with things. Uh, mm-hmm. Because like, uh, like Kevin Smith talked about how like when they did cop out. There was like, oh, there's Bruce Willis time. Oh, no, sorry. It was um, uh, Die Hard 4 mm. that they just said, like, oh, he just shows up to film whenever he decides to show up. Oh, cool. And <laughs> when he did Grindhouse, they went into they went into production and he they did not know until the day of filming that Bruce Willis was going to be there for that part. So they had like they had like different levels of how important uh. the part that Bruce Willis played Can you based on if he showed or not. Wow. I'm, a fan, I'm a big fan. I'm a fan of a lot of movies he's done. And in general... Is there a single actor, acti- an acting person out there? If if anywhere, everyone here, Ash, you are a director. Um, mm-hmm. Everyone here was running a movie. Can you think of a single acting person that who is so you would put up with that shit for? Uh, I, I get there's no. one thing if a studio is making you do it, but it's like if you had full say, if you had full casting, can you think of a single person that you would be like, Here's- yeah, it's worth putting up Ooh, with this if shit? If the budget was reliant yeah. on that person, I mean, like, it's like when they did Lost in Translation and Bill and Murray, they weren't sure if he was going to be in it when they were trying to get mm. funding. Like, if if yeah. the name was really attached to it, I don't know. Like, I'm yeah. kind of, I kind of. I feel like, like yeah. Bill Murray is a really good example where, like, <clears throat> you know, he, if he shows up, you know, he's going to deliver and he's not going to like phone it in. The thing that's really frustrating as a director when you're working with actors, because I have worked with actors who are very difficult or who you are you know who you are you're not listening we're not friends anymore uh but um (laughs) (laughs) but like the thing is is like 
There is a limit of shit that I, as a director, will put up with. But if you are going to show up to set and then not actually deliver or perform, like, for example, I don't think anyone should have put up with Marlon Brando's shit because, like, I don't think he actually delivered. You know, if you show, if he shows up on set and he doesn't even know his lines and you have to put fucking post-it notes on the other actors, like, <laughs> I wouldn't have put up with that shit. That would have been like, yeah. bye bye you know? Um, so, like, that's my level of, like, there is some level of, like, if you're – if I have to jump through hoops, but you actually show up and you perform and you're amazing and we get it in like one or two takes, great. But, you know, if you show up and you're a dick to everybody and you don't perform and like it takes multiple takes and I still don't feel like we got it, then yeah. no, now, you know. This might just yeah. be my personal view of uh, Mr. Willis here, but isn't he known for playing characters who just seem like they're phoning it in? Yeah. That's true. (laughs) You know, and the other thing is, like, it's your responsibility as, like, a director or a producer to, like, make sure that you casted correctly. And so I don't think it's ever a good idea to put yourself in a position like that. You know? Like, if you're like, well. But yeah, I I also feel like, I feel like we're, and I'm I'm repeating something. This isn't, like, my idea. I'm repeating something I've heard. That we're kind of in in sort of a, like, movie stars exist, right? And they're very famous and people like them. But as far as a, like the star of the movie being the reason people go and see it, yeah, I've heard a lot of claims and uh, listen to like podcasts, read articles that say by and large we're kind of it's like a post movie star era where that the name of the actor or actress doesn't sell the movie necessarily. Totally, I can tell you the last time I saw a movie specifically because of who the actor i kind of wonder if that's like the circles we're in though because i definitely go see movies because of directors or writers (laughs) Mm -hmm. i mean it's like there's so much good talent out there and i hope at least that we're kind of moving towards a movie system where we're able to foster new talent more as opposed Mm -hmm. to dealing with the stereotypical hollywood diva so yeah i I think it absolutely is a time where that approach is because of social media being called out. And so it's, we're moving more and more away from like, well, I'm just going to go see it because Bruce Willis is in it. You yeah. know, all it would take to ruin Tom Hanks is like one PA being like, Tom Hanks showed up four hours late today drunk. Like, fuck that guy. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. You know, like, think of, for example, think of Johnny Depp. Like, he was on top the top of his game, like I would totally in the past have gone to see a movie because Johnny Depp was in it. And then all this stuff came out about like how he treated PAs on set and like how he treated his significant other. And like he's a now, wife beater. <laughs> yeah. And like now, you know, people, the fans of the Harry Potter universe are upset that he's still in the series, you know, like, so I think we've come around to where that can have a negative effect on the movie instead of a positive effect. I was sure. mostly upset about the Harry Potter thing because Colin Farrell did a way better job than fucking Johnny Depp. Oh, yeah. He was mm-hmm. great. Colin Farrell's always great. So, I mean, there are still some movie stars or at least like celebrities that I'll, like will draw me to a project. It's mm-hmm. like just not as many like like Kristen Bell. Like I was yeah. Yeah. way more down to check out The Good Place because I love Veronica. Best show ever. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, yeah. like, it, it but she's at least, also like, not a monster. So you're like, okay, well, cool. Well, yeah, and like <laughs> you can definitely like lose interest with the person as a star because of their outside life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 
Yeah. yeah. Like, I think it still exists, but I, I think it's true. Like, there's a lot more factors in play. Like, likewise for this movie, this is a comic book movie. I absolutely was going to see it because it was a comic book movie. Like, yeah. anything that came out in that era, if it had anything to do with a comic book, I was like, I'll, I'll check it out. Like, Ghost World, I was like, I'll, I'll check it out. Mm-hmm. Well, that's my that's uh, the know. point I was making. Is, like, for me, and I think a lot of people I know, it's it's it, the the act the people acting in it is definitely down the list as far as why I want to see a movie. It's the movie itself, the concept first. Yeah, and I, I'll take I think director, writer over actor as far as if I'm interested mm-hmm. in a movie because yeah. that's you know who's creating the content that we're going to see, who's mm-hmm. behind it all. The storyteller. Now, I don't worry. I have I have actors I like and I'm maybe a little bit more interested than I would be or less interested depending on the actor but um i don't feel like it's not at least it's not really uh hasn't been i feel like a deciding factor for me lately in a, in a while yeah, i feel like storytelling mm-hmm. has become way more of a valued skill in the social sphere than it used to be like not mm-hmm. just that's, the actors but like that's just true yeah but like yeah. what patrick's talking about is like in the 90s and you know 80s they used big names as a crutch to sell movies to get audiences in now i feel like they're using pre-existing properties so like franchises yeah. and well, remakes to and, accomplish I mean, even before goal. that right like if you look at like the the 30s and whatnot with like cary grant you know, he was a big name, Audrey Hepburn. They yeah. sold movies with their names for sure. Mm-hmm. And you can see evidence of that. If you go back and watch like TV shows from the 90s, um, so many times they say yeah. something like, oh, we're going to see that new Tom Cruise movie yeah. tonight. Mm-hmm. And they just mm-hmm. use it as like, that is the place. They don't make, instead of even making up a fake name for the movie that the characters <laughs> in your show are going to go see, they say that Tom Cruise movie. Yeah, oh, yeah, like uh, that is Clueless true. had that where it's like we're gonna go see the new Christian Slater. Yeah, uh, uh, yeah. yeah. My favorite so, '90s TV thing now though is we, we watch rewatching a couple of old shows and being like, uh, just a celebrity walks in and they're no longer famous and I don't know who they are, but the audience goes woo. But anyway, Hellboy. Yeah, Hellboy. I had yeah. a couple Back interesting. A lot of the trivia I wrote down is actually we can talk about. I can rattle through before it doesn't really spoil anything. But um, who here has seen it? That's a good question. All, I have. I've seen it. I have, have you seen not. it, Sam? No. Nope. Oh, okay. I've seen. Uh, I thought this was going to be the, the first second. one in a while where we'd all seen it before. Nope. I'm fresh, baby. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but uh, it'll be. In, I'm excited. It'll be interesting. So, and some fun facts. Uh, Vin Diesel was considered for both Hellboy and Ape Sapien. At one oh. point. Huh. That would okay. be a terrible choice for Abe Sapien, but I'd yeah. be cool with that for Hellboy. Yeah. It would and be then, a very uh, different Hellboy. Hey, mad respect to Ron Perlman, because he apparently read every single issue of Hellboy in preparation. Wow. I respect that. Um the uh in like Malaysia and also the southern US, we had they had issues with like theater distribution and marketing because of hell in the title. Oh. And they actually changed language, the name. heck boy. And they actually changed the name in Malaysia. It was released in Malaysia as Super Sapiens. Oh. Whoa, that still is a yeah. cool title. That's a good work. I, I guess they, I guess they have a hardcore, like no, no allusion to devil or hell or Satan in your movie title or anything like that. Wait, yeah, he's I a mean, monkey. The US has had issues with that. Sapi- no, no. Well, we're sapiens too. Oh, okay, okay, right. 
Okay. You might need a Sorry. refresher on your anthropology there. <laughs> well, the other character is ape something. So Abe. I was just like, what? Abe, 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 Abe. Abraham. Oh. Abraham. Lincoln Sapien. Okay. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> That they're not called ape sapiens. Like you know, <laughs> I kind of like ape sapien. It's good. <laughs> Let's go to the zoo character. to see the ape sapiens. Let's just play so, into the apes. Yeah. So, uh, which is a great movie, and I'd be yeah. down for that a million times. <laughs> and Del Toro passed on three projects to do this. Oh. Uh, the first was uh, the third Blade movie because he did the second Blade movie. That's oh. right. I'm not sure if that's a good choice or a bad choice on his part, but I'm glad with the movie we got. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. This movie, uh, I mean, not Blade 3. Blade 3 is. Not <laughs> yes. Blade 3. I'm glad he wasn't involved, but I'm it's, not right. sure if it was that's, a good yeah. decision. That's what that, I mean. That yes, thank you. <laughs> that's worth a dime at some point, that movie. Um, he passed on uh, AVP, Alien vs. Predator. What? That wow. would have been a very good version of that movie. Yeah. But I... I saved the kicker for last. I don't know. He was offered and he passed to do Hellboy, the third Harry Potter movie, The Prisoner of Azkaban. Yeah, I think that's for the general Mm. good. Can you imagine how fucking terrifying that that movie would have been? Already pretty scary. (laughs) Especially with like the werewolf stuff. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. I'm not sure that he's the right brand. That this is a good choice here. So go, he's like, so go with me. Ron gets his bowels eaten by a wolf. (laughs) <laughs> but like it's really gruesome. But you know, we'll yeah. we'll like put some shiny bits in there that for was, the kids. That was still right. early. And then we got the time machine, so it doesn't matter. Like we can yeah, do it at his fine. death, and we'll it's just. Which we'll I love how that went away after that movie. <laughs> yeah. Oh, right? Yeah. 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 That well, breaks the entire dark. universe. I mean, I don't like time travel. I'm, I'm the fan. Harry Potter nerd, so I will say that they do explain it in the like. There, it doesn't just disappear. Like they. They address it in the book. It yeah. was on well, isn't, loan. isn't that a plot point in um, the the show the, or the Broadway show? Um, mm-hmm. Blanking on the name. It is. It right yeah, now. the cursed child. Yes, that's it. Cool. Mm-hmm. I'll just like put my wand away now. <laughs> yeah. If we ever go back and watch the first of the new Star Trek movies, uh, that was. I have a lot to talk about with that fucking time travel plot. It, He's still pissed about it. I'm we so only saw it once it. in theaters <laughs> and he can't let it go. I, Brett, I would love to talk to you for a long time about that specific movie. Make a new show. Talking Trek. Well, that should be, uh, uh, yeah. I tried to at one point and it didn't go well. Time travel oh. trashers. That's your new podcast. Um, I fixed it. And then, I will, I will do that show with you though. Case, let me know. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> and then, uh, if you want to hear a super quick, bit about you know the the super cliche bit of uh hollywood executive like corporate producers being like dumbasses creatively and trying to like force you know asinine changes on the film mm-hmm. they tried to make uh del toro change it so hellboy looked like a normal man oh god and he only changed into hellboy when he got angry he's, a, he's a like, hulk like the hulk yeah hulk boy hell hulk Hell, Hell Hulk. Or like Hulk. Sailor Moon? Like, he, he was like, he he put his, he's like, no, absolutely not. <laughs> the Incredible <Good>. Hulk. <laughs> yeah. Incredible <laughs> Hulk. Oh. Wow. You know, that's so, the thing about studio executives. They think they know a lot of smart mm-hmm. shit about film. And in reality, they're very clueless about a lot of things yeah. and make really it, dumb suggestions. It did okay. On a, it was a $66 million budget. It made just about $100 million. Globally, oh, okay. okay. So obviously they made the sequel. I mean, we're not. I mean, that seems paltry compared to you know. Yeah, the Captain billion Marvel, dollars. Billion dollars. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, I'm actually kind of impressed that that was the budget, considering like yeah. the movie looks pretty good and has a lot of distinct set pieces and a lot going on, obviously, with prosthetics. I'm mm-hmm. actually yeah. pretty impressed with it's that. It's expensive. Lest we get off on another tangent, should we do predictions? Yeah. Predictions. Yeah. I mean, should we start with Sam, since you're the one who has never seen this? Uh, sure. So, I really love the artistic style of the comics. Um, I love how graphic they are and the bright colors. And I did you read them? No, but I looked at a lot of Magnolia's art in um, art school, so I didn't oh, read okay. the comics, but I did, you know, research him as an artist. Yeah, and he has a very distinct style. Yeah, like oh. you can pick. I can pick it out pretty quickly and easily because it's. Oh, cool. He's got a very distinct shape language, so I'm really excited to see kind of Del Toro's gritty, dark take on it. And mm-hmm. I'm I'm excited to kind of see how Del Toro will use bright colors and shadows to tell the story. But in terms of story, I don't know anything about Hellboy. <laughs> He's cool looking. <laughs> and that's about as far as my knowledge goes. So I'm hoping it's a good, fun story. Um, I know there's a lot of room for error, and it could be weird or it could be great, but... Outside of that, that's kind of where I I stop short. I feel like that is the key thing that I remember about this film is that it's like very colorful and stylistic. And I remember really liking that. Uh, I remember thinking it was funny, but that's really all I remember about this movie. <laughs> hmm. Yeah, I don't remember if this particular movie gets super deep into the uh, – like the origins of the Hellboy or like his backstory. I, I recall it being kind of like a, like this is Hellboy. He's here and this is what he does. Uh, kind of a movie, but, uh, I believe the movie opens with a, with a flashback to world war two. Okay. Mm. So maybe there's a, yeah, I think they cover his origin and then they do like a uh, montage of like tabloids that have spotted him, spotted him like an urban legend over the years. And then it cuts mm. to modern day, and it's like, and then they just sort of set the status quo for the rest of the movie. So, like so Case has a way Devil. better memory of this than any. <laughs> I, any of I, uh, I, I don't know if we we didn't actually say what I do. Uh, I host a Superman podcast and am, <laughs> yeah. uh, I, and post daily about analogs to Superman. In fact, the Hellboy to human transformation thing is just like the character I did yesterday, Sabak from the Shazam property, who is oh. a human that says the word Sabak and then six demons possess him simultaneously and he turns into a devil man <laughs> cool that's right uh, so yeah i'm a giant comic nerd and this is exactly up my alley uh so yeah i remember this movie really well like i remember thinking th- that's the thing like this movie is before we hit the marvel like it's a pitch perfect adaptation um this is actually a really close one but it's because it's a smaller property uh, that there's not that much to really go off of. So I remember that. I remember liking that component of it. But I also remember it being like not – it's not as scary as the comics. Like the comics are like have this like gothic style to it that I didn't feel like uh, Del Toro really nailed exactly the way I was hoping. I mean this is how I hoped for it you know, as a 19-year-old. Um, but I do remember thinking that it was really – it was a very good, but I didn't like have like super like passionate feelings about how good it was mm-hmm. kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I feel like it was like, yeah, that was cool. And then erased from all memory, you know, <laughs> <laughs> I, I, 
I think it's going to be enjoyable. Um, I remember liking it. I think it was one of, at the time one of the better comic book adaptations that had come out. I'm just really curious because I haven't seen it in a very good while, and I'm curious how it will look when compared to this this post MCU world that we live in. Because that's shifted. I, I'm hoping. Yeah, I think with his love of of prosthetics, uh, that it's going to look really good yeah. to our eyes. Like like CGI has kind of gotten worse over the years because mm-hmm. there's so many there's so many projects that they don't have time to work on any one at a time or yeah. in, for any given movie. It's gotten more so homogenous. Like, yeah, but like also just like not as textured. Like Iron Man used to be like have very clear reflective points, and they just don't have time to go through like and just overdo all that detail. Like. All the studios are stretched thin. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, and I think because we're actually looking at practicals, it's all going to look great. And the CG, uh, the CG probably is not going to hold up that well, but the mm-hmm. practical stuff will. I recall and, uh, there being a CG moment that everyone's going to wince at. I think the end. I think it's the, the ending sequence. <laughs> I don't know. That's my that's my prediction. It's the end. It you're, you're talking about the ending sequence. It's going to be like mm. Blade. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, not yeah. that. I don't think it's that bad. It's not. It's yeah. not Blade bad. <laughs> okay. Oh, Stephen Dorff's head on the pillar yeah. of blood. The, the end of Blade yeah. was so bad because the they actually scrapped the the original edit, uh, oh, r- like right before, uh, and had to do it all in reshoot. So like the last that last fight is all reshoots, uh, and then they had to redo the CG. Uh, wow. <laughs> all right. So Patrick, Patrick, you didn't you didn't go? Oh, I, I said yeah. yeah. I said I think it's going to be. I'm thinking I'm going to enjoy it, and I'm just I remember liking it. It's been a while, and I'm just really curious to see how it looks compared to, you know, where, where comic book movies have come since then. Mm-hmm. But I think overall it's going to be an enjoyable experience. And I, I got right. one more question for the team before we go. Uh, and it's just a, a either or option, but who do you, who do you think's going to go harder on acting in this? Is it going to be uh, uh, Ron Perlman or uh, Doug Jones? When you say harder on acting, how do you mean? Like, like- okay, who's cause I just I I recall them both being like who's like, gonna real give you the hard on in this, but like yeah, who <laughs> who it gives you the the comic stiffy like who's oh, really Lord. doing it for you in this movie? Oh dear, I don't want to be here. I actually think it's gonna be Abe Sabian. <laughs> yeah, like Doug Jones does really crazy body work, and I remember him having like very like. Um, so you're a body uh, man. <laughs> well, like the because he's not doing the voice, so we're all going off of that, and you can't see his face because of the prosthetics. Like uh, Ron Perlman, you can see his face; you get some acting that way. But like, I remember him having these like very like quick, short bursts of movement to sort of be like a, a fish, kind of like swimming, kind of thing. Oh, like you know, where cool. they like dart about uh, and then be, be moving very slow, and then like a little dart kind of thing. Uh, so I think we're gonna get more from him that way because he's like really doing it because he doesn't have anything else besides. Like how his hands and like how his head like tilts in like weird directions sometimes. Mm-hmm. Like, and also, and the, the character of Hellboy is like apathetic anyway about his. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. yeah, uh, yeah, like, you like, know, like House was apathetic and like <laughs> and Lori, so iconic Deadpool, apath- apathetic you know? character. Yeah. Oh, side note, we haven't mentioned that Selma Blair is in this movie and yeah, I'm I actually excited to see her again. Did you? Uh, yeah. I did. I'm just yeah. excited to see her again. I, I'm also excited to see Selma Blair. I'm, Me too. I think she's yeah. going to do great. I have seen bits and pieces of Hellboy 2, and I remember really liking her in it, but I'm not sure how they introduce her, so I'm really curious and excited. Okay, well, cool. All right. Cool. Well, anyway, all right. we're all going to go check out Hellboy, which I believe is on Netflix. Yes. Yes. Case awesome. and Patrick determined that the non-director's cut is on 
Netflix. We'll see y'all when we get back. Uh, have you guys watched What We Do in Shadows, the TV show yet? Uh, I've watched yeah. it. So the movie was phenomenal. I love the movie. The The show just came out, and I've, I've seen the first three episodes. And they have a new idea in there, which is an energy vampire. Yes, like, I love guy, it. It's he's like so a Poindexter, great. like accountant type. Like mm-hmm. the guy in your office who just like talks to you, with, for, like st- like traps you in your cubicle and like talks to you till you like want to fall asleep and die. Uh, yeah. So that's an energy vampire. And I sometimes worry that I am that guy. <laughs> you are not. That. I assure you, you are not. Well, you know, I did sleep for like 16 hours after doing the podcast with you. So, <laughs> you know, that really puts uh, office space into a totally different spin. Like, yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> I think that's if the Lumberg joke that is they're a, making. Is an yeah, energy vampire? Def- Bill Lumberg is definitely an en- energy vampire. Right. Yeah. Shall we, uh, Lena speaking just a moment? (laughs) (laughs) All right, shall we? Yeah, yeah, right, ready? What's this? Hold on, well, no, I'm not ready. What song are we doing? What's the song here? A hunk, a hunk of burning love, a hunk, (laughs) a hunk of burning love. No, you sure you don't want to do that like weird soft rock, like. Transition song they did halfway through the movie. Oh, there was Al Green in there, isn't he? Yeah, yeah. I would do uh, heat of the moment. Yeah. Yeah. So, so in love with you. Oh, you want Asia heat of the moment? Yeah. Da, da. I never meant to be so bad to you. <laughs> I'm waiting for the claps, guys. I'm waiting. Dun, dun, dun. I, I don't know this song. I don't know the song so. either. I can't. It, I could never do. Dun, dun. There you no? go. Case you know, guy. You, All right. Yeah. I don't know what that was, no, but you nailed it. are a little like too synced up to each other. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like... Wait. I apologize. I did not have a chance to like research your show before you guys came on Nerf Herders, but I have been listening to a ton of them. And like Aww. every time Pat's on, I'm like, fuck, we're a little like too synced up and I'm a little mad. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Case and I met getting drunken pizza at Geekly Con after the live show at like midnight or one in the morning. Oh, so. well, there you go. That's a good time to meet friends. And then yeah, you yeah. turned to each other and you said, did we just become best friends? There's and a you little like stepbrothered it? <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, we just rewatched Hellboy. Yeah. <laughs> Can we talk about the elephant in the room in this podcast or this video, whatever this is? Whatever. Oh my God, there was an elephant in that room. Ash, how did it even fit yeah. in there? <laughs> well, I have special needs and it's my therapy pet. Uh, but um, 60% that would be a dope therapy of, pet. Yeah. 60% of all the women in the world are not named Liz. Can we talk about that? Because that was that a batshit crazy. What's oh, that? Oh, we're doing it now, huh? We're she was, she was oh. getting hyperbole with it. I, yeah, I, I, I just took it as hyperbolic, too. Like, that was just a bullshit stat. If we're going to open straight up with a, with a real harsh criticism, um, she did a bad job, her character Ooh. and the acting of it. Everyone else was awesome. Hi. <laughs> well, well, I want to go back to the beginning, the opening scene, because there's okay. a couple of things I noticed I never noticed before, in case you might know this. Was that... Um, like a a cybernetic, uh, makeshift glove to like mimic Hellboy's hand that he was wearing at the beginning. So, oh, that dope I, like I, tubes glove. It's really yeah. cool looking. Uh, I do know. I don't think it was designed to look like Hellboy's hand, but it was. I, I do remember reading an article by Guillermo del Toro talking about how 
uh, as they were designing things and working with Mignola to do like very elaborate kind of mechanical things. Um, Cause he uh, like uh, uh, Del Toro really loves like, uh, like gears and like things that move to sort of I like noticed. And Oh my God. <laughs> like, uh, like it actually works really well in retrospect. Like that glove looks like a, like a real thing. It was amazing. Because but everything doesn't... is moving around and everything like that. Um, in the, Comic, I think I can't remember if he had two gloves or not. I it's uh, long story short, I don't remember it being specifically like Hellboy's glove, but it, it was a thing in that first uh Hellboy story arc. Uh, because where, don't they say that Hellboy's hand is like the key, right? And then like Rasputin initially opens the first door, like you have to use the key to open the portal, yeah. and then so like to me, it would make sense that it's the same, it is supposed to be like his hand. Yeah, maybe that that opening scene though was just mind blowing. Like so much practical effects. It was great. Mm-hmm. I fucking loved it. Yeah, visually. Yeah. Wait, movie wait. Held just up. just general thoughts on this movie. I walked away much warmer That's than I was it, at the time. We do. Re- <laughs> you <laughs> start with it. <laughs> no, you could start with it, noob. <laughs> Fair enough. No, just kidding. No, no, no. I'm. Yeah, I mean, I think I think overall, I I found it enjoyable. Like like Guillermo can tell a good story, and I don't think you can you can maybe not like his films. Like I'm not the hugest fan, but at the end of the day, he still know, he knows how to hold on. There's a dog. Um, uh, but like he Guillermo knows how to tell a good story and like do a, a movie, and he writes good dialogue. Like. I think it was a good movie overall. I just sort of left being like, eh, it's okay. You know, it's not like one that I'm like, oh, I, I got to go back and rewatch that a bunch. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Yeah. yeah. I don't. Go ahead. Oh, okay. I don't know. I, I was really surprised and pleasantly so about this movie. Like it felt really refreshing and it kind of made me hyper aware of how serious comic book movies are now. Mm-hmm. And I really liked the like lightheartedness and the fact that it wasn't taking itself too seriously. And I think it yeah. made it a much more enjoyable watch. It's funny because Deadpool came along and everybody was like, oh, wow, a funny comic book movie. And I remember thinking like, well, wasn't Hellboy the funny comic book movie? Didn't we have that? <laughs> I feel like out of maybe like the last dozen or so, like the Marvel flicks and and the entirety of the DC cinematic universe. Like we got maybe Thor Ragnarok and like the mm-hmm. Ant-Man's mm-hmm. and like mm-hmm. everything else mm-hmm. kind of has a real like heavy vibe to it now. Uh, yeah. And this totally was just like the proto good times. I don't care if the world ends kind of vibe. I mean, there were, mm-hmm. there were serious stakes, but I think it's like the attitude of the characters that was refreshing, you know? Mm-hmm. Wait, no, did you see that pile yeah. of steaks they were bringing for him to eat? <laughs> and all those pancakes. I'm sorry. I like that he liked cats, and then we had a quite literally save the cat moment in this movie, which I thought was pretty great. Yes, the box of yeah. cats. Mm-hmm. He during that train fight, when he's hopping, he uh, Ron Perlman broke a rib because the trains were really moving at like 45 miles an hour, and he was jumping. Wow, that's insane! That, that's- like yeah. he jumped at a moving train. Yeah. Huh. Oh my god. Like uh, even a slow moving train. I'm like that's that's insane. Uh, Where was OSHA? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Well, I mean if you got hit by a train and only broke a rib, they must have been uh 
try and <laughs> a little bit to protect him. I guess. I don't know. So Here's did he padding. do all his own stunts? I don't know. I just, I just that was in the trivia list of things. Wow. There is no way nor any reason that he should do his own stunts in this movie. Like, Seriously. <laughs> you know what's like, funny is it, like it's a movie like yeah. actors doing their own stunts is cool when you can like clearly see their face, but when they're in full prosthetics, like there is yeah. literally no reason to do that. No, but yeah. Well, in general, so I used to think that was so cool when you hear, "Oh, they do their own stunts." But now I know, like, I know a, a, a tiniest, tiniest bit about how like movies and things get made. It's, I'm like, oh no, that's like a huge risk though, because there's a ton mm-hmm. of people whose livelihood depend on you being able to act and show up and yeah. do your job. Not to and, mention, like, if you get hurt. Like all those people are out of work then until you heal. Totally. Not to mention, stunt actors go through an insane amount of like training and practice yeah. mm-hmm. to be able to do the things that they do safely. Yeah. Like, <laughs> and I believe they have their own union too. Oh, so yeah. like they're oh. not they have like different you know rules for their own safety mm-hmm. versus what an actor would have. But this, you know, Hellboy watching this movie kind of reminded me of a thought I've had in the past and man, if I it is a goal of mine in the future. And go with me, guys, here. To be that swole? No, no, no. Listen, (laughs) the trope in movies, like Indiana Jones, I love them all. Like, all those movies where it's like, we're going to find this uncovered ancient place. And they obviously have some old book that they did research to try and find that book. And they decipher it and all that. Mm -hmm. Do places like that... I'm not not saying, like, magic is real. And, like, I'm saying... I want to go... But Patrick, magic is real. I want to go on a hunt for a long-lost thing. Like, I want Uh to be like, where do I start? If I was going to try and find some kind of legendary thing, how would I start? Do I go to my local library in the city here? Do I need to go to, like, the Smithsonian? Mexico. Are there stacks? I want to kickstart. I want to do a Kickstarter event. Like... Send Patrick on a journey to find an ancient lost something. Can I isn't go that with like you? What archaeologists just do? Like, isn't mm-hmm. isn't that like their but whole they job? do it boring? I want to do it by they playing do. by my own rules. You don't. He wants know. to do it without Indiana's- standards and ethics. I, yeah, like, yeah. Yes, that actually what Sam sounds said. like almost a horrible thing. <laughs> what Sam said? Can I? You want to like? That? Can I do like a money? Like, like I'm going to raise money to stop Pat from doing this quest. <laughs> 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 cultural legacy. <laughs> you want to like? What was it? Angels and demons? It or whatever? What was the well, first like, one? Because it's always like. Where does this, where do you yeah. start? If you want to get into this, let, let's say, let's posit that it's there's real. Everything's real. Like there's demons, there's magics, there's powers out there, there's different dimensions and everything. And mm. they can be accessed through there's shit on our planet. Where do you start? Like, Stargate. Freedom of information. Well, no, that Stargate is the, the end result of a lot of work. <laughs> Area 51. Like, where do you start? Like I said, do you go to your local city's library? Uh, the, I say, think hey. you start at the History Channel. No, 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 uh-uh. no, not the History Channel. Uh-uh. I want legitimate Ashen aliens. Give me our time here. <laughs> yeah, I yeah, want yeah. real. Like I'm very curious because it's all got to start somewhere, and it's all real cool at the end when you found the ancient temple and you've got your magic book that you've already deciphered and you do your chant. But there's a lot of boring ass, like awkward work what? that led to that point. Yeah, yeah, I think you have to do grinding. a lot of research, right? I mean, if if movies are to be believed, the first place you search is Alta Vista. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, seriously, Patrick, it's probably Mexico. There's a lot of shit in that jungle, and we don't even know half of what's there. So yeah, there Mexico. you go, Patrick. There's your first lead. 
Family Just vacation. Walk alone into the jungle. Más o menos. Yeah. Or, like, realistically, like, go to, like, Paris or Rome or any place with, like, catacombs and, like, walk through and try to, like, find reoccurring symbols that you can, like, rule out as being just, like, platitudes, like, rest in peace. No mm. catacombs. I'll do jungles. Yep. I'll do <laughs> no catacombs. No. Some dumbass American dies. wastelands. I'll do don't deserts. Do yep. I, I like the idea of Patrick. Like, Patrick just visiting these places and, like, rediscovering things that, like, other archaeologists are like, yeah, we've we've known that, like, for a while. And he's like, but this symbol and this symbol. And I mean, like, I yeah, guess we know. Meet Travel YouTube. <laughs> um, okay. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> no, but so, I want to do it. We'll start a channel. I, <laughs> I, I think the best answer for you, Patrick, to get the desired end result you really need to follow secret cinema and what's coming up because when they do a mummy secret cinema or Indiana Ooh, Jones or something, God. that's going to be the closest experience you can get mm-hmm. to what you're looking for. Well, okay, but so the nerdiest thing I've ever done that's like this, and, and it's a thing you can do, and it's there's probably stuff in your area, uh, you won't find aliens. Geocaching? It's geocaching. Oh. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, I remember we wa- me and me and Zach walked around for like four hours in Pasadena to find the Pasadena geocache, and it was like the fucking cryptic ass clues. And they're like, it's in one of the brick walls on this block, and like you know, count the paces, and uh, you know, it's it's a fucking flash drive plugged into a, a brick wall. But like, that definitely it, doesn't finding have a it was like, oh, I found the fucking thing, and it's just out here. Like, can anybody be a geocache? placer yeah yeah like setter upper of uh-huh yeah uh-huh. yeah totally and it's just kind of like a repository where you like you 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 log the gps coordinates and like some landmark clues and you you build the mystery of how to find it it's not supposed to really be a mystery but like it's, it's some of these things are hard to find uh, it's only a matter of time can, until a serial killer starts planting bodies and geocaching them. Oh God! Right. Well, that's that, the thing. That's is the they, story. That's the the reward is plug your geo computer that you've brought in with you into a public USB drive. That's oh, the adventure. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> oh my God! Uh, going back to Hellboy, though, can we talk about how he really pioneered man buns before they were popular? Because it was like a back of the head man. It was yeah, it was. It was it was unique. Yeah, he had a whole thing. And it was but he had yeah. like the the balding like the 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 top bald mm-hmm. full crown oh, hair. And and the fish dude ate eggs too. I'm telling you. It's the same guy. Same guy. Yeah. Oh that's just true. Yeah. They did eat eggs. Uh, wait, as a shape of water or Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I want to I want to hard boil some eggs and leave them out until they rot and see if they really get that like yeah that, that, that green. shade of green. Ugh. Let me tell you, they probably will not. They will probably go black. Mm-hmm. That's what yeah. That's what I figured. So I have a little bit of bad news about the shape of water thing. Uh, apparently, that is a common fan theory, uh, and that Guillermo del Toro actually had to step out and be like, "No, I swear, it's not Ape Sapien." Oh, but head cannon, head cannon, where we yeah. should live. That's definitely the only makes one it I Yeah, I mean, I'm gonna say that fucking Guillermo del Toro does not have the uh, uh, 
clout that J.K. Rowling has with Harry Potter. He can't just go and rewrite things that he's written. The, they, the, they're the same guy. The clout or or the legal rights. And he was like, <laughs> wink, wink. No, guys. I promise you, wink, yeah. wink. It's not Abe Sapien. That's, I that's legally exactly cannot say, say that it's Abe Sapien. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm yeah, mm-hmm, exactly. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Fair enough. Um, Dead into the I, camera. Definitely de- not apes. Yeah. Apes. apes You've got me saying it now, Ash. <laughs> Fucking A. I swear to God, in the movie, I kept hearing it, too. I was like, did they just say ape? But you guys laughed when I said Abraham Lincoln Sapien. But you were right. I mean, I knew you were right. I I know it is. It's funny to say it out loud, but I knew you were right. (laughs) Uh, I I was actually pretty surprised that I feel like overall the CG held up pretty good. I actually remember they, they interject practical effects a lot of times mm-hmm. for things that I was surprised that they did. Like, yeah. uh, the the fights with, like, the Samael, the Samuel. Hellhound frog things, mm-hmm. um, there's a lot of shots where, like, the joints move in ways that are impossible, and they make a note of that. And then as soon as the frame shifts a little bit, all of a sudden it's practical. Yeah. So, like, they're, they're going between CG and practical sometimes even in the same shot. And mm-hmm. I was very impressed with those choices. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I think the bodysuit was – like for the most part practical in a lot of shots and then the like little tentacle things and head were CG cuz the the yeah sometimes the way it moved it was like okay that's that's a dude in a suit but then other times yeah i feel it, like and it, it works seamlessly it fully sold it for me like 95% of the time and then i think there's mm-hmm. like a subway scene where there's like oh there's a guy in a suit but then like straight yeah. back to the action i was like yes it's awesome right. again exactly <laughs> And I, I mean, I will say for me, the worst CG in the movie was in the beginning with the baby Hellboy. That oh, one, yeah. I was like, yeah. right, yeah, that didn't age shot. well. And, I don't and like know. the intro sequence, the intro credits, or whatever. Yeah, I don't know if the baby Hellboy was so much the CG as it was like the design too, because he just looked like mm. a little baby monkey, and I was like... And it was 2004, and it kind of had, like, flashbacks to, like, the... The fucking gorillas or 1999 uh, uh, Lost in Space shitty purple monkey. A little bit. Oh. Maybe that's... Yeah. It, that... I totally with that's you That's a very that. specific flashback right there. No, <laughs> yeah. I, that thing... We, well, we watched that on the show, too. That piece of shit alien monkey thing. That was yeah. awful. Yeah, but his like arrival like, kind of had the same vibe of that, where it was just like, "What is it? Oh my god, it's it's a monkey, mm. a space mm-hmm. monkey, space monkey." Uh-huh. I mean, yeah, but the practical effects were like amazing, yeah. so good. Mm-hmm. I love weird stuff like this. I really do. I just like it. So, like, imagine a movie if someone had never heard of this, mm. and then you were saying, "Imagine a movie that has a steampunk cyborg Nazi ninja," and that's like the. <laughs> about it it's like so close to surf ninja patrick you like you're just missing a few few elements there yeah that that, he's he's sand ninja yeah yeah. (laughs) that villain is so well crafted like yeah the design in the movie is just gorgeous it looks very graphic but at the same time is very real and you're like oh it's creepy because it's mechanical and human and then mm-hmm. what does he do? He fucking skins it and it gets even creepier and is the yeah. weird baby eater mm-hmm. thing and but I love with how, more eyeballs. <laughs> yeah, I love how Guillermo also like, you know, he knows that the monster is scarier if you don't get like a 
really good look at it. So yeah. it's like covered in this plastic thing. And yep. these shots are all like kind of indirect. You're not seeing it. And then when he gets up and walks, you're just like peeping it in between these dividers. Like that was really, yeah, really scary he, for sure. He knows how to make something look good. Does he use the oh, same yeah. like DP like for all of his stuff? Or? I don't Oh, let's see. He knows but, how to make it. He knows how to make things look. Whether you are oh, a fan yeah. of his movies, they are always beautiful. Totally. To look oh at. yeah, and absolutely. But in the meantime, while while we look that up, like the use of like gears on that creep, like on that fucking cyber Nazi guy, like it's all Guillermo del Toro really loves. And like every time I saw this, like he really loves yeah. like tactical things. Like yeah. the elevator has like hydraulics that like clamp down. Like everything that's like clockwork, you like see the gears are all exposed. Cyber, mm-hmm. yeah. like, cyber Nazi it, ninja got killed with a giant gear. Yeah. yeah, he did. Like, well, he you loves can tell those tactile elements. He's very influenced. Like the thing about like a lot of people call it Guillermo style, and the thing is, is like he's very influenced by French directors, and like that gear thing, and a lot of his style, and even like the he seems to be like really obsessed with the color green like he likes to green green stuff a lot he likes to color correct with a green tone and that's all like from uh like the director of the city of the lost children and like amelie and like you know those directors like you can tell he's taking a lot of heavy influence from those people in this Mm. film like the color theory was so important not only because he was referencing the comics but he used color to make Hellboy stand out. So Hellboy is red and the complementary color is green. And scenes where there's a lot of action, where it'd be hard to track, he lights them very green oh, a, so that the red stands uh, out. Yeah, or the blue, which also point. pops a bit. But yeah, yeah, it was so, so beautifully done. And it wasn't as heavy-handed as, like, City of Lost Children. Like, I think of that movie, and I think of that, like, gritty sewer green color. And mm-hmm. in Hellboy, I don't. Like, it was it was very right. subtle. It's more like Shape of Water is more yeah, super heavily influenced by City, the City of Lost Children. Before you move on, uh, it he does use the same cinematography a lot or the same cinematographer a lot of the time. The same guy who shot this movie also shot Pacific Rim. Um, he also shot Pan's Labyrinth mm-hmm. and Hellboy, yeah. but I, I'm not sure if he shot other ones. I, but get, his name, I get that though. Yeah. Those, his those name all kind of have a look. Is also a Spanish Guillermo. name. Okay. <laughs> but Guillermo Navarro. Okay. Okay. So, anyway, I thought that was interesting. As far as a sort of like, actually, it's not even really a critique. It's an almost critique. It's there is a trope uh, in movies, especially mm-hmm. you see it a lot in action movies or adventure movies that I despise. The um, save the woman trope. Uh, that sucks. But the one I'm talking, <laughs> and we can talk about that. What I'm talking about at the moment is where you have your mentor type, and they are killed by the enemy. Um, mm. but it was revealed earlier at some point that they were already like, ha- were terminally ill. Oh, I hate that. I feel like it serves no por- purpose because it, 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 everything it cheapens. Like I want, yeah, like it cheapens it should be more of a gut punch, but this is the one case I'd say maybe counts so they can get away with it because him being terminally ill is what motivated him to bring in the new agent. Yeah. Even though that mm. guy was milk toast as fuck. <laughs> he was but, so milk toast. Um, but I'm saying that motivated him to bring in the new guy. So that's why so it, it works. But otherwise you see it I feel like I see it a lot where it's like for no other reason. And I don't like that because if you're gonna kill 
a beloved character to like add weight, mm-hmm. it should really hurt. Like, yeah. yeah. And if they're already dying, it doesn't hurt nearly as much. He died, and I turned to Bryce, who was watching the movie with me, and I said, "Well, he was going to die anyway." So yeah, <laughs> it's like it's like all right, you know. Uh, but I mean, that was his response to it too. He was like, "Well, yeah, all right, I'm ready." <laughs> totally. Can we talk about the agent though? Because like he's like. Only you can come in and and help Hellboy. And why he didn't? Only you. He didn't do anything. The most the aggressively whole generic white man. Yes. Yeah. Like he didn't. Like why is he better than the dude with the hair plugs? Like yeah, I, I was much understand. more attached to hair plugs. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. His name was Clay. Clay. Oh, sorry. Yeah, yeah. Sorry. <laughs> Wait. Did he survive? I forgot. Did he survive? No. He no. died. Well, no, but off screen though, right? Boy like, killed him. No, Clockwork Boy killed him. No, because there were three agents. So he stabbed him. Two a bunch. of them got for sure eaten. And then by he's like, the, the Clockwork Man killed Jeffrey, Clay. Jeffrey Tambor was pretended like pretended to be dead next to him. But, so yeah, but he wasn't dead. Two agents died. Yeah, Jeffrey Tambor uh, in the next scene was like, Clay probably won't make it through the night. But I don't think we yeah. ever learned if he made it or not. That's oh yeah, true. they don't tell us. That's mm-hmm. true. I oh also I was super disappointed that they left Doug Jones out of the climax. Like he was, in my opinion, the best part of the movie. Yeah. Oh yeah. So Doug Jones or definitely Ron Doug Perlman. Jones. Yeah, Doug Jones is definitely like definitely. A- acting the shit through like layers and layers of prosthetics. Yes. Mm-hmm. And and uh, so believably so. Like yeah, I just I'm floored at how. Much I believe that character that he was portraying. Totally. It, it's so expertly done. One of the another another trivia thing was that he one of the hardest days of shooting was he was basically kind of suspended in a harness to mimic like weightlessness, like being in water oh, for wow. hours. And it left him very like t- bruised and bloody and like cut him up. It was his birthday Whoa. too. It was his, oh, his he spent his birthday. <laughs> he spent his birthday. Six hours getting in makeup, like four hours in this harness thing that jacked him all up. That must have been the uh, that that scene with, right after the attack where he was like in the yeah. that little. And then I guess room. I guess Del Toro. I guess he likes to mess around, joke around with people. He's like, I guess he said to him after it was like, "Happy birthday! Tomorrow we're gonna string you up by your balls or something like that." Like, <laughs> oh, I can totally hear Del Toro saying that. He's funny. Oh man, yeah, he was great. Doug Jones really there were there were points too where with Ron Perlman it was like obvious they like tried to insert jokes in with ADR that I was like his mouth isn't even moving <laughs> like I, I mean don't know. even when it wasn't like here's clearly a re like an ADR line just for the sake of it like his mouth was barely moving like I know. yeah well, yeah his prosthesis was a lot more extensive on his face than I remember it's it's yeah. not just very extensive uh, the the only part of his actual skin you could see after the makeup was on was his eyelids when he blinked. Oh, shit. Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah I, it's funny that you mention that because on one hand, it made his character design so beautifully accurate to the comics and mm-hmm. like really created that graphic element and made you feel like you were watching a comic book movie. But on the other hand, he was like, 
It's like a little SpongeBob at times where like a mouth is moving and none of the rest of the face is. Yeah. <laughs> so it was like at times it worked so well and other times it totally took me out. It was and, that was in the days before they were like augmenting uh prosthetics with like CG movements. Yeah. Uh cuz mm-hmm. wasn't uh or robotics or whatever. Where the wild things or are was like one of the first movie movies mustaches. that really like got super deep into that where they were like huge oh. prosthetics and then like but to make them them facial movements more believable they would they well, would Labyrinth act them out. Well, did that too. Like with the Hoggle character, the whole face was remote controlled. Yeah, so well, Hoggle was express. a whole puppet. Right, he person. means like actual in post CG, like augmenting the the movements oh. that they could do. Yeah, yeah. So oh, this is I like, see. Oh, like, which is the best kind of an acting. Like, that's real the time. best kind of use of special effects. Like yeah. combining all of it to like make this like seamless blending of it. And this yeah. movie's not quite there yet. Gotcha. Yeah, this yeah, movie yeah. I think could have benefited from a little bit of that, like just a little more facial tweaks on on Perlman's face in post, but. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I I had two more things. They're so minor. It's the most. I enjoyed the movie. I really I really did. I thought it <laughs> held up better than I actually thought it was going to. It didn't feel as dated as I thought it might. Yeah. Um. But there are certain things like you're just doing that to do that for the aesthetic of it. Where like with Abe with the books thing, the technology mm-hmm. they have, they can't rig something up for him. To where he turn can, like, the pages digitally, like on oh, the screen. Like yeah. I was like that. I was like, it was just dumb. It's a dumb thing to complain <laughs> about. But I yeah. I, I thought that too through like the whole movie. I was like, what the fuck? Like, why can't they have like a page turner? (laughs) Like, like, no wonder he's reading four books a day when he's reading like a page every four hours. Like, it's not that impressive. Uh, I took that as like kind of like the the role of of Dr. Brom being kind of like this paternal role for them. Um, that it like Abe, no matter how smart and like capable he is, is also still like kind of a child and kind of like unused mm. to the outside world. And so like uh, John Hurt's character was the sort of father figure to all of them in very particular ways. Like for him, his relationship with Abe was like like cultivating his intellectual curiosity and like being like, mm. OK, I'll be here to turn the pages. And probably before he could read, like he would like read him the stories or like help mm-hmm. teach him how to read like that kind of thing. And like Hellboy clearly there's the whole, like he's my father kind of dynamic through it. Um, and with, uh, with Liz, there's also like a lot of that going on, even if we're not seeing like direct scenes with them that much. But like, I think that's what they were trying to convey that like John hurts, like Dr. Brown was like so important to all of them for like whatever was like their thing. Mm hmm. Quit coming up with a sensible and insightful explanation for my annoyingly nitpicky criticism. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to have the only thing I said about Liz's character be that she sucked at acting. So the <laughs> well, her, her whole character was not great, right? Like, yeah. like what you just said, Case. Like, like we're supposed to assume that this guy is a, like a father figure for her, but like. We're just making that assumption. Like, we haven't really, like, seen anything to, well, like, justify that. I want to know what's the backstory. Like, I didn't read the comics. Like, is she yeah. – is, like, why was she so, like, closed off as a character? Like, because that was obviously, like, a cue she was given. Like, they asked yeah. her to do that. Well, the fire. Like, there's a she lot really going on. It. Well, yeah, it's the fire starter thing. There's a lot of things in this movie and, like, with the property in general that's, like – tropes of that era of comics and like sci-fi and like like pyrokinetic people in the late 90s early 2000s were very much like 
that like they can accidentally burn shit and like destroy stuff. And that was like a theme in like Straczynski's uh, Rising Stars. That was a theme in uh, Stephen King's uh, Firestarter. Um, and clearly here it's like, oh, just accidentally, bam, like you can set your like house on fire and kill everyone around you. And so mm-hmm. it like creates like this weird psychosis for them where like they're very terrified of all their emotions. Mm. So she's mm-hmm. just like actively trying not to be emotional. Yeah. yeah right. It's, and and terrified of her own dreams. Like terrified of letting her like thoughts go. Yeah. I I totally get that. And I know Selma Blair is a lot more capable of emoting or, or being a more believable character than she was in this movie. So it just makes me wonder like what part of the process went wrong was it like bad direction or was it like she had prepped for a different type of character and then i don't know it just makes me curious i mean i, I, think I just think the character's on. super weak right like i mean I, direction is part of it but like yeah. overall like why why should she like hellboy tell me why why she like shouldn't. nothing yeah, and that's not a big together. part of the comics like that was sort of fit <laughs> in there for the movie yeah, but, like her whole character just feels like it's there to fill a writing role that the you know that they needed to fill, but like she doesn't feel like a fleshed out real character. This brings me to the one real gripe I had with the movie and Sam also I think uh is she had her redeeming awesome flame scene where she killed the monster mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and yeah. then it fades to black and then they were in a bad scenario again. No transition. Yeah. <laughs> and, like well, they, but that, but but that segment too. Not to be like too. Like, she needed him to slap her. The guy she loves is getting yeah. his ass kicked by like half dozen frog monsters. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's not motivation enough to make the fire come out. Yeah. She needs like. But yeah, no, that's needs, an yeah, she abuse. needs Mr. Vanilla over here to slap her in the face. Yeah, it totally. You're you're totally right. Like it undermines her savior moment you know because Mm -hmm. it wasn't she she didn't trigger it in herself she didn't master her own power she needed a man to tell her how to do it like even though previously in another scene she was able to control it when she was like sitting outside with hellboy and she's like i've learned to control it and yeah totally and then afterwards when she's making out with hellboy she can control it just maybe like her powers are activated by through like BDSM, like don't kink shame here. Like, <laughs> I feel like I don't want to get too. We, I feel like I enjoyed it, but yeah, that 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 stood out to me. It's funny you guys noticed it too, so I wasn't mm-hmm. crazy. I was just un- like, uh, like they went. F- me and Sam like looked away for a second because the dog made a sound, and we looked back up, and like everyone's chained up, and she's on a table. It's like wait, 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 wait. What just happened? Like naked <laughs> on yeah. a table. Well, which naked. I wanna, like why? Kind of Again. makes sense if she burned her clothes off, but then she doesn't burn yeah, her clothes off clothes in work. other incidences. So it's I mean, very I think that rest guy is just a perv. Yeah, <laughs> fair. I mean, okay, he gives fair. off some serious perv vibes. He, That's every true. excuse he can, he's wearing a robe with no shirt underneath it. Yeah, but like the only reason why she's in that scene is because they're like. They're like, do it or I'll eat her soul, apparently. She's baked. Yeah, but like, then he's like, no. And he's like, okay. And he just eats her soul, like, right the first no. And I'm like, what? Why are you, why is she even here then? This doesn't. Yeah, the motivations in that, the final run up were a little weaker Mm -hmm. than the rest of the film. But uh, I feel like for me, like, I really liked the film up until the point where they went to go find Rasputin's grave. And it kind of lost me there, and I got a little bored, to be honest. Uh, 
but like everything leading up to that, I was really enjoying. Like one of my favorite scenes is with him on the rooftop with the kid is so great. You know, I love that scene. Um, And there's a lot of good stuff in this movie and the action sequences are like really great and exciting, but like something about the end just didn't like, I don't know. I will say I love, I loved the angry revived corpse. Yeah. It's pretty fun. Yeah. Uh, I forgot that they did that bit, but that's like from a like a famous short story of Hellboy, um, oh. and it was sort of like just fan service when they did it, but it actually works really well. And like the shot where he revives the corpse, when when they cut to his like profile, is like mm-hmm. such this beautiful shot with like the snow coming down. I, like I actually like stopped to take a note, just like man, that's like just just beautiful. It's kind of like Snyder, where you can have like beautiful frames, mm-hmm. but. Maybe the sequence is imperfect. And, like, this is one where I'm like, man, I'm so glad we got that particular angle, even though it doesn't make sense that they cut to that angle. <laughs> <laughs> you know, they did a lot of fan servicey stuff that I liked. And I also thought it was good because it wasn't so winky in your face. Like, mm. some of those phrases they used are names of, like, Hellboy storylines. Seed of Destruction yep. is a storyline. Oh. Right. Yeah, well, that's the one that this movie is based on. Um, when he's at the bureau, when John shows up to the bureau, there's, like, a statue of a dude who looks like he's got like a like a ring around his crotch, like a like, <laughs> like a ring is just hanging there. That's a character from there. Oh. It's a statue of a called like Roger the Humuncle. Humun- is it? How do you pronounce Humunculus. that? Homunculus. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. But, uh, but none of it was like it wasn't like eh eh. No. Mm-hmm. What do you think, guys? Like y- y'all y'all liking that? It was yeah. just very subtle. Yeah. Like I didn't notice any of that. Hmm. I mean, not that I would have known anything. Anyway, I was like, you didn't so. know the comics. I would be very impressed if you did. <laughs> I know. So, Case, you had mentioned that um, Liz's character was super shoehorned in there. What is her character like in the comics, and how was it different from the movie? I, I just meant that, like, the romance aspect is really, like, ramped up for this movie. Gotcha. Uh, like, she's a character there. Like, she's a like a part of the team who is this emotionally broken, kind of terrified of her own power, like terrified of losing control person. Um, the homunculus character actually is like the first time he shows up, it's actually, he steals her fire to live and she's huh. like dying because of it. Uh, oh. But like, she's like a part of the team. And like, I'm not going to pretend that I've read all of the, the Hellboy and BPRD books over the years, but I read the first several trades uh, a long time ago. And, you know, you know, like she's there and like, they're, they have all have a working relationship and they really like care about each other. But like the, the love story isn't quite as big. Like mm-hmm. no one quite like they overemphasize like the, we feel like family, like, Oh, we grew up together. Yeah. Like, Oh, all of this stuff for the sake of like having easy to understand relationships between the characters. I see why they yeah. want to gotcha. diesel for it. <laughs> family. <laughs> family. <laughs> I mean, this is becoming off iron giant. So yeah, I mean, not directly, yeah. but like, uh, it it would not be a bad role for Vin Diesel. No, but uh, I mean, all that Sam, being said, you brought up during the during the pre-show that there was a really good, or like that uh, Mignola has like this very like distinct art style, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. I was lo- watching it, and I remember when I saw it initially, I was like, oh, it's not as striking. But yeah. I think that that might have been the era of movie making and where I was as like a as a film watcher, where I was like expecting it to be much more literal. Yeah. But mm-hmm. uh, there was like very heavy, like single shade things going on. Like yeah. all the flashbacks were like in blue, which I thought was mm-hmm. interesting. And like, the, you know, we talked about the green rooms, but like everything mm-hmm. had like usually a dominant color scheme and then very high contrast shadows. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Which is very much like it. I just never really noticed it before because I think I was expecting 
thinking something like Sin City, which came out like only yeah. a few months later and that like, uh, was a very literal yeah. adaptation of a comic book frame. Which, uh, whereas this one's not quite as much. Yeah. Which it would be a really great take on the movie. Like, I think you could easily take Hellboy and give it the extreme art style of Sin City to match the comic mm. books and have it be a really good visually striking film. I, would, I wouldn't yeah. mind seeing that. The Robert Rodriguez version of Hellboy. <laughs> <laughs> or even like the Into the Spider-Verse treatment, like a fully animated one would yeah. be really cool. Oh, yeah, that'd be, that'd be gorgeous. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, I, I hope that Spider-Verse has broken that barrier for, for the so industry because it was, it was so good. Yeah, Pete Ramsey, if you're like listening. I feel like there was an animated, I feel like I'm there was an animated Hellboy at some point. I ha- I missed it if there was. So you said Pat that this new film isn't getting very good reviews. Yeah, I was going to bring right? that up. So listen, if you're doing the met, we're recording this on the weekend that the new Hellboy with David Harbour comes out. And also the part of why we wanted to do a comic book movie was cuz you know, we're we're 2 weeks out from Avengers Endgame and it's kind of I feel like it's kind of peaking the the giant upswing comic book movies have been on so I think mm-hmm. we wanted to go back to one of the earlier ones. But uh, yeah, apparently it's <laughs> it, the new one is getting shredded. Oh, yeah, it doesn't uh, have like twelve percent or sixteen percent. Oh, it's no. like fifteen percent Rotten Tomatoes. Here, I'll pull it up. Ooh, thirty-one percent Metacritic. Five on IMDb. To be which fair, is not good. I put zero stock into audience ratings on any website anymore. It, the, like. Really? Usually we, audience ratings are more in oh, line than critic. Well, not, not yeah, audience true. like versus critic. I mean, just like I can't trust what the internet says anymore so on the critics reviews. really hate it because on Rotten Tomatoes, it's 15% overall, but Ooh. 64% of the audience liked it. So the critics are really not liking it. And okay. I, I skimmed a couple things and I read an article that kind of had a roundup of a couple articles. And the the gist that I got was... It's just a ton of super, 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 because it's got the R rating, uh, like crazy, gory action, mm-hmm. like very, very weakly strung together with apparently very, very thin, very, very thin plot. So I saw a and thing just, about the one that we watched today and their like intense aversion to gore and how mm-hmm. like it, there was hardly any blood at all in the movie and some some ridiculous thing about how like their subway fight scene where he bashes the uh, uh mm-hmm. the monster's head in with the with the phone uh the the, the coins were yeah. standing for blood yeah yeah you so you saw that too yeah yeah, yeah it was just like that's such a <sighs> and the the uh, but maybe the, maybe it needed it <laughs> Well, they the wanted Sandman to keep it guy, like, also anytime there would be blood for him, instead it's sand. Yeah. You know, like he had maybe the most gory moments being yeah, stabbed I that was the most multiple times. Yeah, yeah, like when he was like impaled a bunch of times towards the end, and like he just had like pools of sand around him. I was like, oh, that's a really clever way of not having it be like Bloody. just like a bloodbath, and uh-huh. also like and then, a really character motivated, like creepy element. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh, man, like I, so. I, I read the books. I've seen this movie a bunch of times. And, like, in my memory, like, the fucking clockwork Nazi was the thing I remembered. Yeah. Mm. Like, the, the fact that Rasputin yeah. was the big bad sort of of this. Like, <laughs> yeah. Like, clockwork, only when cyborg, I like, was, like, going Nazi into the movie, I was like, oh, right. It's a thing. It's a quest to stop Rasputin and his clockwork Nazi soldier, which is the main point that I'm going to take away. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, should we do final thoughts? Yeah. I, I, I enjoyed it. 
a lot. I honestly am kind of motivated to go back and rewatch uh, the second one, Golden Army. The second one's pretty good. I don't really remember a ton about it. I remember like elves and the go- yeah, and that's about it. <laughs> Did Guillermo do that one too? Yes. Yeah. Oh, I don't um, think I've seen it. Yeah, I kind of want to go. It's watch more that. Guillermo. It like like uh, this one came before Pan's Labyrinth, and then he did Pan's Labyrinth, and then he did Hellboy Two, and uh, like there's like this like forest elf and like secret like Neverwhere kind of like sub society uh-huh. kind of thing. Like it's very D and it's very Pan's Labyrinth for a super yeah. And Hellboy thing. fucked and had a baby. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> but I want to go watch it again because it's been a minute. Mm. Well, yeah. I'm dying to know what Sam thought because she's never seen the movie before. I really liked it. Um, it's definitely of that era. Um, and I think comic book movies have come a long way since then. Um, so I was really surprised at how well it held up. And I'm very sad to know that the new Hellboy is so poorly received because I think this storyline has a ton of potential and would be really cool for modern audiences if it was done right. So... That part's disappointing, but I loved the art direction. I loved the color and the cinematography. Um, story was fun. Characters were really well. Doug Jones. <laughs> yeah, were really yeah. well designed and acted. Yes, Doug Jones. And um, yeah, I loved it. Likewise, I was not sure how this was going to hold up in the greater scheme of like superhero movies because we've had so many since the since this one came out and like when this one came out, it was like, here's a great example of them. And I think it, it holds up in like the good. It's not like one of the greats. It's not the one that I'm going to be like, Oh, if you don't like superhero movies, watch this one and it will change your mind. But Mm -hmm. I think it does a really good job of everything it's trying to do. I think the characters are fun. Like I said, I think it is still the best fantastic four movie we've ever gotten. because (laughs) It's a movie about the thing and his love interest, the human torch. And like, that's it. (laughs) You know, like the team aspects are the most fun parts. And those are like clearly where like Mignola, was starting with like he was like trying to make a like a supernatural version of like the Fantastic Four sci-fi and mm-hmm. it those elements like really stick out like when they're investigating stuff when they have like kits of like books and garlic and like reliquaries and like all that that's all really cool so that that stands out and I think it's refreshing in line uh, or in light of the super continuity like uh like kind of like extre- not not extreme but like uh, overly serious movies that we're kind of seeing at the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that when, when this fad finally dies, if it ever dies, this will be on my like list of like, yeah, these, this is like my top 50%. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know where it's going to fall ultimately, but it's probably hovering in like the 75 to 80% mark of like, of superhero movies. Mm-hmm. Um, like it, it just, it doesn't have like really any egregious fa- like fault that kind of puts it in, it puts it in like the awesome category, like the, oh yeah, that thing was awesome, but that part of it was awful area mm-hmm. like so it's it's good and it's solid and I'm I'm glad that it exists and I'm I'm happy that I rewatched it. That's I think the amazing thing about Guillermo's films is like he, you know, I, I and I don't know, I haven't seen them all, but I feel like there's never anything in his films that's like, ooh, wince, like, oh, was that a racist joke or was that mm-hmm. a sexist, you know, like there is a little bit of sexist save the the woman in this, but like you know, it's for the most part He's pretty good about steering away from those things. Yeah, it's no crocodile Dundee. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, Brett, what did you think? Man, um, yeah, I also really like this one. It's definitely more of 
an art piece than a superhero movie. Um, mm-hmm. Like, uh, I really love the the detective aspect of the story. Uh, it's all kinds of just personal, uh, like stuff that I like watching the 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 demons and the the Nazis and space monsters. Like, it's like oh, like all the sci fi weirdness stuff that that I love all in one movie. Awesome. Um, mm-hmm. The uh, yeah, a couple story beats that were a little off, but. Uh, one one thing that was that stood out to me watching this in several of the scenes uh, is just how fucking awesome the costuming was, and mm-hmm. not just the prosthetics because yeah. we talked about the prosthetics a lot, but like everyone's costume was dope. And yeah, uh, in you know in the past t- ten Marvel years, it's become a thing where uh, if you're not wearing skin tight leather you're not a superhero and <laughs> you know like everybody's costume is like 100% completely fitted leather costume yeah. uh and the, the watching this and the just seeing people wearing cloth was uh, it caught me <laughs> off guard <laughs> mm-hmm. um but it was like it was really cool uh uh, the the clockwork Nazi was amazing. I mean, I can't. I could talk. It's just rehashing all the stuff we've been talking about for an hour. But I I <laughs> I did like it a lot. Um, I'm kind of sad that the new one's getting bad reviews because uh, you know I've I've only seen the trailers, but I really liked uh, David Harbor doing the Hellboy thing in the trailers. I was like, yeah, hey, that works. Uh, mm-hmm. So I'm probably still gonna go see it if I get the opportunity to. That that theater on the corner does five dollar matinee. So. Oh, so. <laughs> Catch that one. The one thing I'm afraid, I'm more afraid of than like the writing or the plot being that great, is another thing I saw hop up a lot in those reviews was a lot of like forced injected humor and one-liners fall flat. Oof. Mm. That's, that's gonna, the worst. That that's gonna hurt me more. Oh, like yeah. oh crap! That was the one yeah. thing that bugged me from this movie. You said it how many times? Like three or four times. Hellboy was just like <laughs> oh crap. So it's PG-13. You know, I remember when this movie first came out, those one-liners being a lot funnier. And this time around, I was like, eh, they're okay. I think that's how most one-liners go, though. Better for Mm. kids. Yeah, once you're used to it. I think, oh, crap, is a thing for the character. I'm I'm trying to remember, but he definitely, like, has that kind of curmudgeon-y, like, what is this shit? I'm getting too old for this kind of thing. Mm, yeah. Uh, in the comics. Like like I said, he's kind of like a supernatural version of the thing. So there's, like, that element of being, like, like... He explicitly on his belt, like, has, uh, like, relics and, like, mystical symbols from, like, every religion ever uh, oh. so that, like, magic shouldn't be able to hurt him. And so if something does, it's like, oh, well, that's that's a surprise. Like, Is that why he, those cars have those coexist bumper stickers or they just, like, secretly? Oh <laughs> <laughs> like, all those people are, like, the magic version of Men in Black. <laughs> Oh okay. Oh, Brett uh, made oh, that I comment. Said that actually, the movie too. It was t- oh, yeah. definitely had a Men in Black feel to it. Yeah, there's, you know, there's a bit of that going for this movie. I was feeling like, uh, have you guys seen the Umbrella Academy? Because it was uh-huh. reminding oh, yeah. me of the Umbrella Academy, especially with like the themes of like we all got to look out for each other and like we are family and and like this one father figure. Like it was really reminding me of that and sort of. The idea of Sel- Selma Hayek's character being 
like Selma sort Blair. of self-destructive, Selma like Blair? kind of Selma, Selma Blair, Blair. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, is kind of like Ellen Page's character, you know, it, it reminded me of that. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. I think overall for me, I enjoyed the film. I think it held up way more than I was expecting it to. Um, and I really liked the film until, I, I don't know, towards the end. To me, it gets super predictable how every superhero movie is like, oh, and now we have to save the universe, you know, like. Oh, I have a note, actually, that there's a laser in the sky in this movie. Yeah. I'm like, oh, this like- is much earlier than that trope. Uh, it's a yellow laser, so they haven't gotten to blue laser yet. Yeah. So it's like, it just gets kind of, and maybe I'm feeling that way now because of all the Marvel movies and all the superhero movies now where, like, it just gets really repetitive and boring, in, in my opinion. So it was the third act where, like, I got kind of bored, and then I also didn't like how they treated Selma's character and how she, like, you know, I was really hoping that she was going to be, like, super awesome in the end, and instead she was just like, eh, you know? Um, So for me, those were, like, the negatives, but I enjoyed the film, and I think, like Brett said, it feels more like an awesome piece of artwork that I think you can really appreciate, you know, Um, than for, you know... That's the perspective I think I can appreciate it from. The what one thing that would have been cool, I thought, and so it would have been slightly different as opposed to because it's kind of these different layers of big bads, you know. So there was I was kind of I, I one thing I forgot about was the giant giant tentacle demon devil thing that was trying to come through. <laughs> yeah. Is that the same as what was inside of him? That was like a piece of it. That was I don't know. I don't understand. Or was that like that. a middle manager of demons? Whereas like there's like the the CEO who they were trying to get through the portal. And then they had like the peons were the Samuels, and then was that the middle manager demon? I guess. So, like the the regional. Were they saying that the regional vice president demon? Yeah. Were they saying mm-hmm. that he was upset? Like uh, he was secretly that demon the whole time, and it was just wearing his skin Part of suit. Him. Is Maybe. that what was happening? But, but imagine what, what imagine would be would have been some cool. And again, like I think we Case also we like enjoyed dying. it. We enjoyed <laughs> it. But imagine they had this this thing, this Samuel thing that dies and rebirths and and. Every time it dies, it it doubles, and then you can just have all these eggs and stuff like that. Imagine if their plan was like, we're gonna grow a, a hurt on armies and armies of these things, and basically use them to conquer the world, and not necessarily kill every person, but basically subjugate everybody. You could even have a cool scene where there's this massive army of these things squaring off against an actual human army. You're like, mm. what the fuck are these things? And while they're having, while the heroes are having their final fight, it's like cutting between that. You and want a Lord like of a the giant, Rings it battle yeah why not <laughs> yeah like the, the 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 frog thing happens in the comics like eventually like it, it takes time but they get to there mm, where sweet. like they just keep on multiplying and growing and it's that like they're a little different like they're like the rules are a little different like the the role that that thing plays is slightly different but like it, it's the same basic character and the same basic like uh swarm of demon frogs is eventually like coming to overtake us all demon frog dogs I want to know what their plan was like if their plan went as planned and like Rasputin and the Nazis are like, yeah, we summoned these seven evil gods and they're, they've destroyed the earth and then, oh shit, they're coming for us and now we're dead. Like, how does that work? I think about that all the time, Ash, (laughs) when I'm watching stuff or like James Bond movies or something like that. I think about that all the time with villains. Like, let's say, uh, like, has anyone ever sat them down and be like, let's say you win. Then, then what? what? Yeah, like how do you stop these What's demon the creatures have that you, keep multiplying? 
Have you watched I, I, the I movie they... Megamind? <laughs> no, I haven't. I feel should like I they... see it? Yeah, you should go watch it. You should that. watch it. Mm. It kind of addressed With your that. Kids. I haven't seen well, it. It's, a kid's it's like Lord of the Rings, like Sauron and the Orcs. Let's say they kill all the humans and the elves, and the whole world turns and looks like Mordor, just black and desolate and nasty. It's like, okay, then what? Yeah. Yeah. Then what do you do? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> that's how out. they like it. Yeah. Okay, Casey. Okay, so yeah, like, I, I can see. I can see it. You're dying inside. <laughs> You're like, you idiots. <laughs> no, I mean, like, I think, like, with this property specifically, like, it's very, like, um, Lovecraftian. Like, there's, like, so many, like, Cthulhu, like, design mm-hmm. components. And, like, the the element of that all is that the, like, they are almost, like, infected with the sort of madness that is, like, otherworldly evil, which doesn't even care about this world. Like, they, like oh. if they've submitted to this, it's, like, they're not... Yeah, he did so mention much as, like, that. Evil gods, like old gods, and like oh. it—it's more about like bringing back like a different state of the world than necessarily being like, well, we're going to rule it or whatever. Gotcha. Kind of concern. Yeah, because Rasputin did mention that where he was like, "I promise you, no one will shed a tear for this for the the end of this world or whatever." Like he was yeah. kind of referencing. That they don't care. That's not having yeah. a little bit of a Prometheus effect kind of question, though, because all the monsters were through the portal, and like Hellboy came through the portal, and then they closed the portal, and he didn't disappear. They were only halfway through the portal. <laughs> is that what we're going? So with? when it closed, it canonically, the reason why Hellboy it. ends up stuck in this reality is because he discovers pancakes. Uh-huh. Yeah. Show at one point, and uh, that oh, you're is serious? When, I thought this. Oh, was I'm a totally joke. serious. Uh, and that's when all the demons of hell are like, "Oh, he is forever lost to us." <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> that's a great place to end. Yeah. Love it. yeah. Pancakes. Uh, well, and kitty cats. Well, that I guess was Hellboy. Uh, yeah, man, cool. Thanks for coming on the show, Case. Oh, thank you for having me, guys. I really appreciate it. You want to give us yeah. give us stuff. the pitch again for where, where again, all your or stuff? Find just you the too. Uh, so I've got a bunch of podcasts over at the Certain POV Network, which you can find at certainpov.com. We have a link to our Discord server where you can chat with us. But I do three shows, one of which is Men of Steel, which is a, a Superman appreciation show. And we talk about Superman and things based on Superman or archetypes related to Superman. So I've been gushing about Shazam on that a lot. I do... Uh, another pass, which is a movie analysis show, which is kind of like this, but we actually try to fix the movies at, theoretically. Um, and We're then I do. We're going to be on that. Yeah, I I, I look forward <laughs> to all of you being on that. But you guys have all already been on Scruffy Nerf Herders, which is yeah. a Star Wars Dungeon and Dragons game that I am the DM for. Uh, and you guys were a great help and fit in a little too well without <laughs> necessarily knowing yeah. all the episodes. Uh, I was like, oh, wow, they're they're very blue and it fits exactly where we've been. Uh-huh. Cool. <laughs> uh, so the, all those all those are over at certainpov.com. So check that out. Awesome. awesome. And then I've been trying to remember to ask all of our guests, uh, since we're all kind of professional media consumers. Uh, is there any like rad piece of content you think uh our listeners should check out that's just like a a dope thing in your orbit whether new or old. new or old like or um old. our one of our previous guests ray suggested we watch uh, death, death parade death parade anime and it was like fucking it dope. was so good i'm not <laughs> normally an anime person but i was like an addict i was like brett we're doing it we're doing it tonight like we're watching it 
Uh, if we're not trying to go too mainstream, but it's still kind of mainstream for the internet, uh, I'm a really big fan of Ruby from Rooster Teeth, which is mm. an online anime. Uh, it's okay. like kind of Magical Girl meets Harry Potter meets X-Men. Cool. Uh, okay. Or like, so it's a lot of fun. The there's the fight choreography is great. Uh, the first season, the CGI is a little rough because it's like, like an online anime that's all like CGI based. But um, once you get to season two, it becomes a lot better. Mm. And uh, like I said, the fights are amazing. The the sequences are are just fucking mind blowing sometimes. And it the stakes are getting higher and higher. And it's a really like fun series. So I'd recommend that one. Awesome. Nice. Right on. Thank you. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for listening, and thank you, Case, for being with us. And if you want to follow this podcast, we are at Let's Rewatch on Twitter, where we do fun things like we post the movie poll, where you guys pick this movie, obviously. And we also do fun things where we post screenshots of the movie we're watching, if it wasn't from a poll, and you get to guess which movie we're watching. And if you liked our show, please give us a positive review on iTunes and tell your friends to listen. Are we doing our personal Twitters too? Is that, uh, that we ha- we don't usually do that, but I kind of I think we should. Okay. Oh, you will sure. be disappointed. Yeah, everybody's Twitters. I'm uh, Brad Eagles. I'm at Sam L. Wilson. Yes, you're better off. <laughs> you gotta doing... learn it someday. You're well, because okay. So here's the confusion. My Twitter is Sam L. Wilson, and my Instagram is Samantha L. Wilson. So you're better off on my Instagram where you can see pictures of Cherub. Yeah, dog dog pictures. Uh-huh. Dog and pictures. Some kitties. I'm at Ash's Stash on Twitter. I'm at the Pat Edwards. It's only nice. one of me. And if you enjoyed my cameo, I'm at Case Aiken on Twitter, where I mostly just post about characters. Superman. Based on Superman. Superman. Yep. Yeah. Okay. You had a really good <laughs> Superman <laughs> thread going there. Uh, I've been going for about 90 days now, just trying to see without stopping to research how long I can go from characters who are like either like very obviously based or like villains that are like same powers, basically. Like, yeah. So I went through a whole thread being like, here's every version of Supergirl that's ever existed. Uh, Mm. or here's every Marvel version of Superman at one point. And just, I've been going, like I said, for about 90 days and I probably have another two months left in me before I actually have to research at which point I will quit. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. Awesome. All right. Patrick, say our website. We have a website now. It's letsrewatch.com. Yes. Check it out. That's it. All right. Well, thanks for joining us. Uh, (laughs) uh, Next time, we're going to watch A Good Night to Die. Oh. Hmm. That actually doesn't sound that bad. (laughs) Is there ever a good night to die? No. No, but you've had a lot of weird movie titles, like... I fucked my zombie mom, you know, like, they get weird. <laughs> <laughs>